But today in that reading from John 15, Jesus tells us, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And he adds and that we are the branches. You know, it's easy in, in many ways to take in that picture of him as the vine. But we need to see and understand and appreciate fully uh, what it means to us who are the branches. I'm going to look at that and I'm going to focus from John 15. It's on page 117 in the, the New Testament section of the Bible if you'd like to follow. <coughs> I'm going to focus on three F's three F's, so that we have something to remember and that I can test you in six weeks' time and say, can you remember the three F's? Because we need to, you know, uh, remember what it's all about so we've got something to take away from us. And the three F's are fruitful followers in fellowship. Fruitful followers in fellowship. Would you like to repeat that so you've, it's registered with you? Fruitful followers in fellowship. Okay, come on, let's go. A follower. You know, over and over again, uh, Jesus' traditional invitation was, and it still is, come follow me. Glad it's up there, isn't it? It's a reminder. Follow me. And that call to follow him as Saviour and Lord has continued to draw disciples for over 2,000 years. It's the call that I heard very distinctly some 70 years ago. It's the call I assume that many of you uh, have heard and no doubt when you stepped out and committed your own life to Jesus. But following in its literal sense gives us though only a partial picture of the disciples' role. Yes, oh yes, we've got a leader, we have one who set the perfect pattern, and he's the one in whose footsteps we walk as we follow him. Yet, experience has proved to me, and I hope to all of us, and scripture affirms for us, that our relationship with Jesus is far more intimate than that of a mere follower. See, Jesus is saying there, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and my Father is the vine grower. Now that, to me, conveys an extremely close bonding, a bonding in which the vine gives everything and shares everything with the branches. This is a picture of belonging at the deepest level, a picture of our sort of deep grafting into him. We don't follow at a distance. We are inextricably linked together. And the verses that follow that in John 15 underline and emphasize that point. Look at verse 4. Abide in me and... I abide in you. It's a lovely image, isn't it, of mutual belonging. 
I immediately think of hands joined together. You know, my right hand in my left hand, my left hand in my right hand. You know, the two are so closely linked together. There's a togetherness that is so close that you can't tell one from t'other. And look at the end of verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What a stern, stern reminder of not belonging. The danger of being self-sufficient. The danger of going it alone and believing that we can do everything in our own strength. And then in verse 6, whoever does not abide in me, wow, whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. And such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. How powerfully Jesus warns us of the consequences when we cut ourselves off from him. Stop following me, he says. Stop abiding in me. Stop remaining in me. Stop being grafted into the vine. And suffer the dire consequences. You know, when we come to Jesus and we respond to his invitation to follow him, we do indeed belong to him. But he quickly reminds us that our obedience is a vital ingredient of our remaining in him, of our abiding in him. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And appreciate that this obedience is not a grim, forbidding thing. No, it's the very opposite. In our act of obedience, in that act of doing what he said, we experience the joy of Jesus in us and we enjoy the fullness of his love as we go on being friends with him. Look at four, verse 14 again. You are my friends if you do what I command. Well, indeed, when we follow Jesus and we abide in him, all the pluses are there, and there are riches untold. But let's be fully aware that there will be times when the vine grower, the divine gardener, needs to do some pruning. I remember my, my younger days, the, the vine that we had in, in our greenhouse, and that the particular year when the branches had a fungus and the grapes just began to shrivel up. Drastic action was called for, pruning. And so with you and me, those times when temptation wins the day, the times when sin takes root in some guise or other, Father God needs to take action Maybe he has to nudge us, he has to deal with us in some way, but he has to do some pruning. And he does the pruning, why? He does the pruning for a purpose. He wants us to be fruitful. You know, following Jesus is not simply for our own selfish ends. He wants us to be fruitful 
followers. Come on, let's look at fruitful. Verse 16. I appointed you. I chose you. Hey, it's us. I appointed you, he says. I chose you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. You know, if you ever thought about it, but God plans a bumper harvest. He plans to reap a bumper harvest of souls, and he uses his followers as laborers to work towards that end. We're not here to live our lives for ourselves. A vine branch has one great purpose. It's to bear fruit. Apparently, and I, I've read this up, uh, vine branches are useless for making furniture. They're useless for any form of building wooden structures. They're not, they don't even make good firewood. But every branch is good for fruit bearing as long as it remains in the vine. And don't overlook the opening words of verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit. You know, Jesus has chosen us for fruitfulness. Jesus has chosen us for fruitfulness. And we must never allow that to create in us any sense of self-importance. hasn't chosen us because we're worthy or attractive or specially skilled or experienced or in any way suitable or appropriate. He's chosen us so that he may equip us and enable us to bear fruit. Fruit bearing for God is not is not a human possibility. It's Christ's work in us and through us. It's the life of the vine flowing out through the branches. St. Paul, in his letter to the church in Galatia, lists uh, or writes about a particular fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, fruitfulness, gentleness. One fruit, one fruit, with its nine clearly defined segments. This is an important fruit, a fruit which should be evidenced in our lives. But Jesus refers in this passage that we're looking at today to a fruit that will last And that fruit that will last is the salvation of souls. Souls won for our Lord Jesus Christ. However, there's a vitally close link between the two, the two fruits, it were, the fruits of the Spirit and this fruit. For it's as we manifest the fruit of the Spirit that others will see in us something of Jesus and have that magnetism to draw them to him. Oh, I, I'm challenged. I'm challenged afresh by that reminder that I've been chosen by Almighty God to bear fruit that will last. Follower that I am, how fruitful have I been of late? How fruitful am I eager to be each day? 
And as I look at the first eight verses in what, we, what we've read, I see that progression. I am, not just me, but we are. We are all called to bear fruit, to bear more fruit, and to bear much fruit. Following, fruitful. Oh, in fellowship. I had to find a third F, didn't I? Um, and I've used fellowship in the sense of being with others. Somebody from the 8 o'clock this morning said, um, you could well have said in friendship, uh, but in fellowship, being with others. You know, the closing words of the last 17, of verse 17, read to us, love one another. And back in verse 12, love one another as I have loved you, says Jesus. Elsewhere, Jesus summarized the commandments by saying, love God and love your neighbor. Over and over again, they are reminders that we are to live our lives in relationship with other people. We don't live in isolation. We have to live our lives in a love relationship with Jesus and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we read on in John 15, we see Jesus warning his followers about the enmity of the world. And by way of introduction, he tells them to love one another, to stick together in unity, and to stand unitedly against the foe. You know, quarreling, dissension, bitterness, bickering, criticism, backbiting, these are the tools of disunity. They are Satan's tools for the destruction of harmony. They are the tools that the world uses and how we must guard at all times against employing them at any time. Yes, at any time in the life of the church. They are the tools that ruin the work of building God's kingdom and of bearing fruit that will last. You know, love binds us together. And as Jesus said, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love has to be experienced. Love has to be realized. Love has to be enjoyed within relationships. And we are called to live in fellowship, in friendship with others. You know, the lump of coal that falls out of the fire soon dies and loses its brightness. If we are branches of the same vine, then we are attached to each other and our fruit should be so attractive that those outside, as it were, are drawn into, be grafted into the vine, which is clearly the source of the love and the life that flows out of us. We are to be fruitful followers in fellowship. God has chosen us to be fruitful followers in fellowship. What are we meant to be? Fruitful followers 
in fellowship. I shall ask you again in five weeks' time. Amen.